Hey, hi, uh, I am Richard Donner, but you can call me Dick, and you're listening to Superman Movie Minute? Is that right? Did I do it right? Welcome to another thrill-packed episode of Superman 3 Movie Minute, the show that scrutinizes, analyzes, and you'll believe a man can fly this 1983 Superman 3, five minutes at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Franklin, and joining me on this journey through time and space is... Rob Kelly. Hey, Rob. How's it going? I am doing great, Chris. Uh, I am wearing uh, today's pair of socks. is the only day I will wear these particular brand of socks. <laughs> well, what do you do with them? <laughs> I don't know. I give them away. I don't know what happens to them. I, don't, I think they're... <laughs> I think they're used as mic covers for uh, other podcasters. I'm not sure. <laughs> they get the Rob Kelly sound. <laughs> exactly. Well, boy, everybody wants that. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, we begin these minutes with Gus Gorman meeting Ross the boss in his office and end with Clark, Lana, Ricky, and Buster the dog on a picnic. Hmm. Uh, so a lot happens in these minutes. So. Uh, Rob, I think Richard Pryor here is about to pull a gag that was old when his buddy Gene Wilder lampooned it nine years earlier. I have that in my notes. Yes, I have that in my notes. This is the same joke where we see the, the, the rotating bar and then Richard Pryor, Gus Gorman accidentally trips it and it spins around and it is the exact same gag from Young Frankenstein. Yes, with Gene Wilder to Richard Pryor's pal. Now, of course, the gag wasn't invented for young Frankenstein. It goes back to like the probably I think Laurel and Hardy. It's such an old, I mean, Lab and Costello did it for sure. Yes. But yes, I, you definitely cannot note You can't help but notice the parallel of Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor, who did, I think four movies together, or five, four, four, excuse me. And then here's the same gag done, uh, what, nine years apart. So there you go. Yep. Yep. And I, we just need Terry, Car- Terry Gar going, put the candle, Beck, <laughs> put the crystal back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Ross the boss uh, tells uh, Gus that he has a problem with uh, with Columbia, and uh, he's he's into coffee. He's got uh, he's got uh, companies that uh, can control the price of coffee in all these other countries in South America, but Colombia, Colombia, and the way he spits it out, he says, Colombia. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he says they have two important exports and one of them is coffee. <laughs> so topical for the 1980s. Cause it's all you heard about was Colombian cocaine, you know? And <laughs> so, so there you go. Uh, <laughs> Say hello to my little friend. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and he, and I thought it was funny that, uh, point out that, uh, Ross, calls the country a pissant little country, which, mm. uh, you know, would this have gotten them a PG-13 rating if it existed yet? If uh, <laughs> Temple of Doom had come around yet? <laughs> I, I think I think this would have been okay. Nobody gets their heart ripped out uh, in, in Superman 3. Uh, yeah, so I think true. that's probably the, the line that gets crossed there. Is, but, but, yeah, you know, it's sort of funny that this whole plot – that, uh, you know, the re- Ross Webster is stymied by Columbia controlling the coffee beans. This is, again, like uh, I mentioned in the previous episode about how 
it's a movie conceit that like rich guys that run their companies live in the building that, the, that their companies are in, which they don't do. This is such an old timey way of thinking that this is how rich people are rich. They control some sort of stock or item or bond that can be manipulated by other people. Because as we know, in a couple of years, rich people like this will become mega rich by just making money, turning their money they have into more money through weird, weird manipulation of, of portfolios and stuff. Really very little at a certain point involves actual products, actual right. manufacturing that could really get in the way. This is just, you know, by, by the time um, uh, Michael Douglas comes around in Wall Street, these guys are not bothering with, col- with uh, coffee beans. You know, no. it's, all, it's all portfolios. I mean, this is the kind of plan that the Duke brothers from Trading Places would appreciate, but it would really be out of favor in just a couple of years. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's, that's true, yeah. Uh, so, you know, Ross is pitching that he wants uh, Gus to help him uh, wipe out the Colombian crop. So one thing I noticed this time, I don't think I ever noticed before, but Robert Vaughn walks over uh, to Richard Pryor, Ross to Gus, and he puts his hands on his shoulder. And, and Gus, like Richard Pryor, pulls his arms up as if to say, am I supposed to hug you? What are we doing? <laughs> you know? and, and, and it, I never noticed that before, but it really captures how awkward this little guy feels in the office of this multi-billionaire that he just robbed, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> so I, I really, cause you know, that's the whole thing is like, he Gus is in way over his head all, already, you know? Uh, and it really, it really captures that. It's like the, literally it's, this is decades before, but it's the, what do I, I don't know what to do with my hands. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's that same thing. So I, I thought that was cute. <laughs> you have to figure that if you've just robbed your boss and then your boss mysteriously calls you up to his office, the jig is up. Yeah, yeah, like, uh, yeah, and he, and he's just waiting for Ross to lower the boom at this point. Yeah, it, you know, you talked about Max Shrek. Is like he going to throw him out the window like he did Michelle <laughs> Pfeiffer? Right, mean, exactly. You know, <laughs> you fired Gus. He yeah. <laughs> well, you know, just like Max Shrek um, and Bruce Wayne point out to Max Shrek, you know, Gotham's got plenty of power, and so does Ross because Gus is like you. You have so much when he asks him to destroy the Colombian coffee crop, and and. Um, you know, of course, yeah, these type of guys don't understand that. But I do like the fact that this is our first indication that that Gus is like, you know, he goes along with a whole lot, but he, he's he's quietly protesting through much of it. Now, some of it he doesn't seem to protest, which is kind of weird. But there are moments throughout this movie where he's like, uh, should we be doing this? You know, uh, yeah, he's so, crooked, but he's not evil. Right. You know, yeah. um, the line about uh, Ross Webster where he's like, you already have so much. And, you know, Ross clearly like that's not enough. It re- I can't help but think there's a great episode of The Simpsons where Mr. Burns talks about how much money he's got. And uh, he's like, he, and he sort of waxes nostalgic and he goes, yes, I'm very rich, but I'd give it all up for a little more. <laughs> like that's that's pretty much Ross Webster. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so then uh, Vera comes down to uh, tell them tell them about the Vulcan satellite, and Gus comments that you know, oh, I didn't know your mother was here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, maybe it's the, just, this just doesn't read well in 2021. But does Annie Ross really look older than Robert Vaughn? She's like two. The actress is two years older than Robert Vaughn, and he's supposed to be the she's supposed to actually be his baby sister so that she's actually the character supposed to be younger and i I don't know it's just 
uh, it's it's uh, maybe I'm being too harsh about it, but it's kind of like that old, you know, if a woman doesn't look like Pamela Stevenson, then she's a hag. You know, mm-hmm. that's yeah, that, it, it just it does not read well because she's not I mean, it, she's not an unattractive woman. I mean, you know, no matter what they keep right. saying, she's this horrendous. Oh, my God, she's got that look on her face. What's that bad about her? You know, I don't yeah, know. she's not some hideous crone or anything like that. I mean, she looks she looks severe. And she looks frightening, uh, as especially as compared to Pamela Stevenson. But yeah, it's 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 an old timey joke that probably wouldn't pass muster in a modern movie of making comments about a, a woman's appearance when that's just what the actress looked like. I mean, again, yeah, she's given an extreme wig and some kind of severe makeup, but it's you know, yeah, it's it's a it's an old timey joke that uh, hasn't aged terribly well. Yeah, I mean, she looks very like uh very patricial you know she's like you know like but she's like she looks like somebody that's like you know the head of a uh the head of an all-girls school that's yes. you know tough as nails or something yes. but she's not like like you said some hideous crone it's not yeah. like the the uh uh the what's her name from matilda that was the head of that school you know right. or yeah. miss trudgepool or whatever her name was i mean she was made to look up you know hideous so you yeah. know uh, that's different, you know, yeah. but yeah, I don't know. I'm done a lot. I've watched Matilda way too many times with the kids, but uh, so. <laughs> I find that a very interesting reference. <laughs> um, so Varen Ross tells Gus about the Vulcan weather satellite it's put into orbit by the U.S. government to monitor the weather. But because of comic book science, they <laughs> tell Gus that he can change the weather with it. So what do you, does this hold up in the Superman movie uh, universe, Rob? Well, no. I mean, again, this is we we can't. Yeah, you, you, you squint too hard. The science of this doesn't make any damn bit of sense. But okay, it's fine. Gus is going to be sort of a weather wizard in his own weird way. So okay, that's fine. You know, it's you just have to run with it. That that's that, you know, the computer systems can manipulate it sort of this easily uh, to the point where it could affect weather patterns for an entire country. Yeah, yeah, and it's, you know, Cobra was doing the same thing at the same time <laughs> in the G.I. Joe miniseries with the... Shaking with, my fist. The weather dominator, Cobra Commander. You know, that thing. <laughs> Did you notice uh, one piece of weird set deck is the, the, the establishing shot of Ross and, and, and again, Annie Ross, Ra- you know, Robert Vaughn and Annie Ross and Richard Park. And when she comes down the stairs, there's a bowl there, and there are all these giant eggs in it, and they look like dinosaur eggs. I mean, they're just like massive eggs. Hmm. And and uh, I you know I mean they don't you don't comment on them or anything but I feel like it's the, like what possible what could they be uh, except for eggs that some rich dude wants to own probably for some rare bird and he should not own such a thing yeah there's like some kind of rare ostrich egg or yeah exactly something. right yeah 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 so, yeah d- definitely yeah I hadn't noticed that before so good catch mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it just looks weird it looks odd also I wanted to mention in the just before. Uh, his sister comes down. Uh, Ross Webster mentions Attila the Hun, quoting Attila the Hun. And that would be an ongoing motif across the Superman villains. Because, of course, when we first saw Lex's pad in Superman 1, we see he's got a framed picture of Mussolini. So now we've seen through across you know, two Superman movies that these villains really have a very, very poor role models. Right, yeah. With Mussolini, it kind of made sense with Lex because he was bald. But yeah, I don't know what <laughs> what Ross Webster sees in Attila the Hun, you know. But okay, <laughs> I, I can't just be for me to win. My enemies must lose. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so Ross tells uh, Gus that uh, he can do this with the push of a button, and then there's a nice cut to Jimmy 
pushing the button on his camera back in the Daily Planet office. So I, I thought that was a nice little segue there. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy is pulling uh, Jimmy Stewart. Uh, he's got his leg up. <laughs> it's a rear window moment, uh, which actually Christopher Reeve was in a remake of Rear Window. Uh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, he's he's taking a picture of the lucky couple who won the Jingo Bingo trip to South America. And one of these winners looks familiar, don't they, Rob? Absolutely. These are the Stokuses, uh, <laughs> played by Mr. Stokus, is played by R.J. Bell. He was in movies like Octopussy. Haunted Honeymoon with the aforementioned Gene Wilder. He was in a movie called Morons from Outer Space. And I'm only mentioning that because it's going to become relevant in a second. He died in 2006. But uh, Mrs. Stokus is much more familiar. She's played by Pamela Mandel. She was also in Morons from Outer Space. Uh, but we know her better as the waitress in Superman 2. She is Annie from Don's Diner. Yes. <laughs> there you go. So I obviously, uh, I mean, she worked with, she must have worked with Richard Donner in Superman 2 for those scenes, because I think those are Donner scenes, I believe. Yeah. Uh, but obviously she was in the role of, the mental Rolodex for uh, the Superman producers, probably the Saul kind. So yeah, here she is again playing uh, Mrs. Stokas. Yeah, obviously she had enough of Rocky and moved from wherever, Alaska, Canada, wherever she was, and, and decided to move to Metropolis and then won the contest to go to South America. So. There you go. <laughs> there, there is one detail in the scene, though, that frustrates me a little, just as the comic book nerd that I am. Perry complains to Jimmy uh, that he didn't come back with anything from his trip in terms of good photos. Couldn't have Superman have posed for some photos for Jimmy to help him? Back at his job, back at the planet. Like, couldn't he have just done a couple of shots of, like, him lifting up a, a girder or something just so Jimmy would have something to deliver to Perry? Well, I think part of the problem that, – yeah, that's a good point. But I think the problem was Jimmy's camera was, like, literally melted. Uh, he says well, that's his, true. his that's rolls true. of film were melted. He dropped the camera into the fire, so I don't think there was – he didn't have anything to take a picture with. Uh, he's got the camera sitting on his chest, but I think it was – when he's on the gurney. But I think it was pretty well destroyed. Uh, so yeah, I don't think he could have, you know, and he obviously back then didn't have a cell phone to snap some pictures of Superman. So Fair unfortunately, Fair yeah, enough. yeah, but yeah, it would have been nice. Yeah. That was almost more of a, uh, a J Jonah Jameson moment for, yeah, exactly. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Parker, you didn't bring me back any pictures yep. you down there. The Spider-Man come up, blah, 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 you know, all that type yep. of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Perry reads him the riot act and then Mr. Stokus. He's very excited about their uh, about their vacation, and he exclaims, "South America! I can't believe my luck!" And then that segues back to Ross's office, where they are talking about South America and how Gus is explaining how he might be able to hack into the Vulcan satellite through a small Websco Websco sorry subsidiary office. So, and then Ross suggests, "How about something small?" And then we transition. <laughs> to the Wheat King offices in Smallville. So they're they're really using this trick a lot in this these five minutes, Rob. <laughs> good screenplay, good transitions. All all good good screenwriting, everybody. That's right. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Wheat King logo is in the same font as Websco, which I think is a nice touch. Yeah, it's I uh, didn't even notice that. It's a subsidiary of, of uh Websco, so it's got the same kind of very 80s font it almost yeah so <laughs> evil computer guy font yeah exactly yeah but what is that horrible song playing in the background as gus gets off the bus i do i yeah i don't know i don't know what that was. that's terrible i mean it is it is horrible it's like 
it's it's like somebody who doesn't know country music trying to do 80s country music with synthesizers. <laughs> Apparently it was by, I'm probably going to butcher this guy's name, Giorgio Moroder. Oh, Giorgio Moroder. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, he, he composed original music for the film. He also was a composer of Midnight Express, Flashdance, and Over the Top, <clears throat> everybody's favorite movie, Stallone movie, Over the Top. Where's uh, that movie? Where's that minute by minute uh, show? <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, but uh, yeah, so he, if he was to blame, I don't know if he's to blame for this, but if he is, I don't, I mean, it just, that is the, that has got one of the most horrible songs in the background of a film I think I've ever heard. It's <laughs> just horrible. And as you know, I mean, I, you know, grew up listening to country music. I, I, when I was younger, I wasn't much of a fan of country music, but I've since come to appreciate like older country music. Obviously I'm a big Johnny Cash fan. And that's offensive to me. It's so bad. I mean, that's, <laughs> how, that's how bad it is. It's bad. So, uh, uh, get, uh, Gus gets off the bus with a large carpet bag as Lana leaves the local grocery store with several bags. And even her car is butter yellow and she's wearing butter yellow. Now that's all I'm going to see now when you've, now that you've pointed it out. <laughs> Lana Lang is into butter yellow, guys. That's his thought. You know, if you want to win Lana Lang's heart, and who the hell doesn't in this movie, mm. uh, then just get her some nice, you know, oh, I thought I saw this shirt and thought of you. It's butter yellow or something. <laughs> <laughs> I got nice. you this butter sculpture, Lana. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Clark throws open the driver's side door, and of course, it smashes right into Gus, who is walking past. And this is the first interaction between our two stars. What do you think, Rob? <sighs> <laughs> All right. Look, I'm not a big fan of like physical comedy for the most part, um, but that's okay. It's okay. But what I, the, the, the stuff I don't like is that they keep making Clark be the dispenser of these physical gags. And I just, I don't know. I just think it makes Superman, he's Superman. I, to me, it makes him look kind of dumb. That he's just yeah. as much of a klutz and that he's so oblivious to what he's doing. Like, if you hit somebody with a car door, that really hurts. And and and, and, and Clark is just kind of like, oh, I'm sorry. And then he moves on. Like, I don't know. It just, I, I, I don't know. I don't think physical gags belong in a Superman movie. But if you're going to do them, I hate the fact that Superman is the one dispensing them. Yeah. And, and, and of course, Richard Pryor goes full for the full facial oh, yeah. effect of Ooh, you yeah. just, you know, crushed my innards yep. and everything. And, and more uh, like his outards, really his outards and his, you know, yeah, every, everything, you know, yeah. probably I'm sure. And so it, it really does. I mean, with the distress on his face, Clark should have said more than, Oh, I'm sorry. You know? Yeah. I mean, he should have like, okay, I got to get this guy to a hospital and get him x-rayed. Right, yeah. Looked him up and down yeah. with x-ray vision and said, oh, thank goodness nothing's broken, you know. Or Right. He hit a guy in the face with a pie in the opening minutes. Like, it's, yeah. I don't know. It's like, Clark, what, what, are you, what are you, high? Like, what's going on, man? When he gets around women he's attracted to, he just like destroys crap and doesn't care, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that I can relate to, <laughs> but still. I mean, yeah. Pamela Stevenson, Lana Lang, you know, it's like uh, Lorelai and Lana Lang, maybe. I don't know. It's like. If, if if I was a Renato tool, I would probably be just as klutzy. So, okay. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so Gus stops to look at a very outdated seersucker suit with string bow tie mm-hmm. in a store window. Now, I, now this is, this is where I kind of don't understand what the read is on this. Is he supposed to be appalled by it? 
intrigued by it because it comes back later. So what do we think? (laughs) I took it as that he is like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm stuck in this podunk town. Okay, that is from 20 years ago. That's how he's a modern guy, presumably. I mean, he's a I mean, he's not like a computer guy. Yeah, he works in computers, but I mean, he just started this job. It's not like he's it's native to him, but he's a he's a modern city dwelling guy. And now he's in this what he perceives as this podunk little town. So that's how I took it. Just we keep bringing up his buddy Gene Wilder, but just like he told Cleavon Little, what's a dazzling young urbanite like yourself doing in a town like this? Cleavon Little, would he have worked in this movie? Uh, Cleavon Little would work in any movie, but you know, yeah, I like Cleavon Little. Yeah. I do too. Yeah, uh, yeah, he does mutter "Jesus Christ" as he walks away. So I guess that is what what's going on there. So we then cut to a lovely amber field of Canadian grain uh, <laughs> hmm. under a rainbow and some very ominous looking clouds, complete with thunder claps. So why would you take a pic- picnic in this, Rob? <laughs> I. Well, I, but by the way, before one thing I wanted to mention, uh, uh, well, I could be talking about it in the scene is that I like that Clark is wearing his Smallville sweatshirt around his neck and mm-hmm. on the back of him is a big S. Yep. Uh, I like that big, detail. I big that yellow was, S. Yeah. Big yellow S on, on a red kind of cape like thing. I think that's a nice little you notice it the most when he is getting food out of the back as Gus walks away. But I mean, you really, you know, I'm like, I, that's cool. I, I dig that. That's the, uh, I don't know whose job, uh, it was like the costume designer or the set designer or no, not the set designer, but it would have been the costumer or maybe Richard Lester, but that's a nice detail. But yes, uh, in, in terms of the picnic, it does not seem like a great location or time for a picnic. The sky seems very overcast, very ominous. And also Clark and Lana are like five feet from the road. Uh, I have not been on a lot of picnics, but from what I remember, you're supposed to be kind of like in a nice spot and a scenic spot. They're with a loose dog and they're on like this big, probably like the only road that goes near Smallville. This is not to seem like a great place to put a, to, to have like your picnic uh, lunch. No. And I mean, it's very overgrown. I mean, usually you try to pick a, a place to have a picnic. That's like the, the grass isn't like really high and there's not a lot of weeds around. I mean, they're right, covered yeah. in ticks and chiggers and <laughs> I mean, everything else. So yeah, it's, I will point out though, that Lana's picnic cloth is even yellow, yellow gingham, but it's yellow. <laughs> that's all I can, that's all I can see now, Chris. All that's I all. I mean, I've got to point this out because it's like, this is, this is a theme I never noticed before. It's like everything she wears, everything she owns is yellow. It's like, <laughs> Maybe they just thought, hey, red hair and yellow, it goes together. I don't know. Maybe maybe in the comics, Lana Lang wore a lot of yellow and we just didn't notice. Somebody Go back and look through all those old Lois Lane comics for Kurt Schaffenberger Lana's and see what she's got on or something. <laughs> uh, Lana Clark are talking about two different things once more, him about the picnic selection and her about the man selection, including Brad, who is God's gift to women. I, I love <laughs> Annette O'Toole's read on that line. That's mm-hmm. just... <laughs> That you can just you can just hear the years of frustration in the way yep. she says that. God's gift, to, yeah. She's she's, <laughs> she's she's just had her fill of this guy. Yeah. Uh, so we end our minutes with Clark holding up some green stuff, and the thunder continues to crack in the distance. Uh, so anything more to add on these minutes, Rob? Uh, I don't think so. Like I said, uh, some of the stuff still hasn't aged terribly well with me, but then there's other things that you're pointing out. Lana's color scheme I like, and, and Superman wearing his, uh, or Clark wearing his S Smallville thing, which I like. So, yeah, there's 
there's some new fun things I'm discovering uh, via the examination of this movie five minutes at a time. So uh, I, I don't know. I feel, I, I feel I'm feeling optimistic. Yeah, me too. I, I, anytime you get Annette O'Toole and Christopher Reeve in a scene together, they just have a really great chemistry. And uh, it's one of the things I really enjoy about this movie. So, I mean, I, I've watched these two have a picnic for, you know, two hours because they're just charming people that, that uh, really play off each other well. So <laughs> you may get your wish. Yeah, we might. <laughs> well, that'll do it for these minutes. Uh, be sure to check out the other fine shows on our network at firewaterpodcast.com, including several Rob and myself hosts. We'd love to read your comics. Com- comics. We'd love to read your comics if you make any. Uh, <laughs> we'd love to read your comments on Superman 3 over at firewaterpodcast.com. And you you can leave us a review on Apple Podcast if you're so inclined. Special thanks to Alex Robinson and Pete the Retailer of Star Wars Minute for starting the whole Movies by Minute phenomenon and letting us use the format. So thanks, guys. Extra special thanks to all the patrons of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. If you would like to support the network financially, go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast. There you can find many ways you can help keep the network going, including support levels. They get you a special shout-out on the show of your choice, like Superman's pal, Henry Bernstein, who supports Superman 3 Movie Minute. Thank you, Henry. Yay! Yay! Join our never-ending battle here next week on Superman 3 Movie Minute as we continue our coverage of Superman 3. Giorgio, per favore. Grazie.